Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. We've been in a series called In God We Trust. We started it last week. We were talking about what it looks like to trust God in every aspect of life. We're looking at what does it mean to trust God, not just with where we are, but where we've been, where we're going, and all of those different aspects of trusting God that have to do with raising kids and uh, saving money and reaching for the thing God has put in our heart and living the Christian life and just doing all these things that require trust in God. And kind of last week I said that for, for a lot of people, it seems like they're looking for this divine strategy. Like, how do I get to that? What, what's the secret to get to that next thing in God? How do I trust God on the fast track to get to what's next? And what I've found in life is that there is no fast track. <laughs> there's just trusting God. With uh, the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs, there's just trusting God. When I've made mistakes, I learn to trust God out of those mistakes. When I make the best decision of my life, I learn to trust God with that best decision of my life. And I said that there's this, there is a divine strategy, there is a secret, and it's called trust. Trust is the divine strategy. Day in, day out, we're learning to trust God with the active, faith-filled decisions that we're making every time we get up in the morning. I think that going to the store, if anybody does that anymore, how many of you are using like the app to have your groceries delivered? Like, I am all about that. Even though I don't do it, I'm all about my wife doing that. Like, because it just seems so easy. And uh, when you think about, you know, taking kids and putting them in a, in, in a grocery cart and moving them around, I'm like, oh, no, that's so 2016. I'm not, I am not about that, man. Like, honey, just order. Pay the 10 bucks or whatever it is. It's... No way, no way, let's do it. Just pick them up at the door. And it's awesome because she'll tell me, hey, just, you just got to stop at the store between 7 and 7.30, the groceries will be ready. And I'm like, man, I can do that. I just pull up to the curb. Hey, how you doing? Those 10 bags of mostly healthy stuff that will stay there in the fridge till next week. We won't eat it anyway. We'll just come back to that next week. But I'll see you next week. Thank you. So even trusting God with the groceries being delivered is an awesome thing. But I wanted to talk today about how we live with expectation and how I personally have lived with expectation, specifically when it came to planting Grace Avenue Church. Some of you know the story of Grace Avenue Church because maybe you've been on the journey, but I would say probably a good 80 to 85 percent of Grace Avenue Church has only been here uh, in the last five years. And that would be anywhere from the last five hours or the last five minutes to the last uh, five years. And there's some key things that I think that I have uh, employed that have enabled me to trust God. And they've brought about what I think is uh, just the blessing of God and the hand of God. And they're not magic. It's just the simplicity of taking God at his word and trusting him and trusting that he's at work. And I'm just going to kind of go through some of these. So the first one is this, and this is the first one that ever hit me and, and brought me to this place of trust. And it's this point, this I know God is for me. This I know God is for me. That actually comes from a psalm that David uh, talked about when dealing with the Philistines and he's facing enemies in uh, Psalm chapter 56, verse 9. And David says this to himself. 
And, and for me, that, that was something that God really arrested my heart with, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I remember there was just a stage where I read that verse, and I had probably read it before, maybe even heard it preached before. I didn't remember, but somehow it spoke to me at that particular moment. It's interesting how the Word of God, you can read over it, and it's information, and another time you can read it, and it's revelation. It just enlightens something in you. God awakens something in you that maybe was there that he planted, but he wanted to give birth to it at that time. And that was, that was this for me. This I know God is for me. What that meant was I had to put aside all fears, all insecurities, all issues dealing with lack what I don't have, what I didn't get, what I uh, haven't been handed, what nobody's helped me me with, all of those things that we could all probably at the same time uh, make a list of that we don't have or we haven't gotten um, to disqualify ourselves from possibly doing what God has called us to do. At the end of the day, I had to rest on this principle. This I know, God is for me. And God is for you. Not just for me, he's for you. And he's for you in your life just because of who you are. Before he even asks you to do anything, he's for you. His grace is for you. His love is for you. His mercy is for you. Second Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's another verse I grabbed a hold of because I had to come to the reality that if God is calling me to lead and calling me to lead people and to do what he's called me to do, then I have to trust that his spirit has given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. And if you're going to become a parent, if you're going to start a business, if you're going to go to school, if you're going to launch out in a dream, if you're going to get married, if you're going to go back to school, uh, switch your career, switch your um, degree, whatever it may be, in the same way, his divine power has equipped you and is leading you through those decisions. God doesn't lead you into confusion. If you're in confusion, backtrack your decision and say, was that God or was that just me and my impatience? That'll help you, right? Sounds like it's helping somebody this morning. This verse really got a hold of my heart. 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. When I first got saved, that verse stuck out to me so powerfully because in my heart of hearts, I had a desire to see God change people's lives. Uh, in fact, when Janelle and I were dating, I remember that's, that's what we used to talk about a lot. She used to say, hey, loser, what do you want to do with your life? And uh, that, that, that's code for what I think she was really saying. But what she was really saying is, you know, well, what do you want to do? Which I translated it to, hey, loser, what do you want to, want to do with your life? You're 25. And so... Uh, I had already been through, you know, some schooling for Bible college, and I'd come back, and I was working, and I, would just, I was just in this state where, man, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Anybody hit those stages where, like, you know, at, at, at 18, you're supposed to know what you do, and then at 21, you know, you should know what you're doing by now, and then at 25, you're still asking questions, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm 43, and I'm still asking some questions, but I think I've found what I'd like to do and what God has called me to do. But um, that verse, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Now, mine has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It just gave me a sense of expectation. 
just a stirring in my spirit that somehow God is at work in my life through the, my own inconsistencies, through my own confusion, through my question marks, through my decisions of faith, stepping out saying, is this God? Not really sure. I'm telling everybody I'm sure, but I'm really only like 75% sure, but I'm going to fake it till I make it type thing. And you're moving through these things, but there's this sense of expectation that not, God is not just for you. He's leading you into greater things in him and greater things of purpose for your life. That really got a hold of me. And I've, I've still not stopped believing that. I still believe there are things I haven't seen, things I haven't heard, because I love the Lord. There's things he's prepared for me, for our church, for our future here in this city, for what God has called us to do as a community. I still believe it. There are greater days ahead. I haven't stopped yet. Here's the second one. And these are principles and all of these principles that I'm speaking to you today, they come from entire sermons or scriptures that have their own theology behind them and have a ton of history, biblical history. And I won't go into all those today, but what I am doing is just giving you the principles that kind of helped shape and guide uh, my life along the Grace Avenue journey. Well, I'll put it like this. You hear sermons for years, and then they kind of stick in your head, and then you hit crossroads in life and wonder, does that apply now? And these are some of those principles that applied to me along the journey of planting Grace Avenue Church. So the first one, this I know God is for me. If you don't get that one right, it's going to be hard to get anything else right. If you're continuing to live with this sense of insecurity or these question marks, is God for me? All it will do is undermine the God dream that he gives you. Because everything's resting on the foundation of our trust in who God is. He either is God or he's not. He's either my healer or he's not. He's either my provider or or he's not. And, and, and these are things, of course, I had to grow into. I didn't just arrive at, you know, at salvation, at those places of faith. But what I'm saying is I had to come to this place of realization and rest on this foundation. This I know God is for me. When enemies are against me, God is for me. When people have worked to hurt me, God is still for me. When things didn't go the way I planned, God is for me. Amen? Here's the second one. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise it. Why do we, why do we use that word, uh, don't despise? It's, it's actually uh, in scripture, and it's talking, you know, the whole story about Zerubbabel, and it's in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, but it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise it. Why do we despise small beginnings, Right? Why do we despise starting at the bottom somewhere in schooling or in a job? Anybody ever switch a job or switch to a new career or switch a path or started in a new city and now you got to go find where the Starbucks is and now you got to find where the grocery store is and you got to find a new doctor, especially military, who have to move and, you know, find the new doctor, find the new pediatrician, find the new, you know, man, let's give it up one more time for our military. They have to move to all kinds of stuff that moving around all the time. And, uh, but I'm kind of jealous because they get to see all kinds of cities all over the place. And so maybe we shouldn't give them any more hand because they get to travel more than we do. And I'm kidding. So Zechariah 410, don't despise the day of small beginnings. We despise small beginnings. Why? Because they're small. They're not these big things that we're hoping for, but everything has to start somewhere. The seed has to start before it becomes the tree. It has to start somewhere, Right. Uh, the, the change in your pocket has to start somewhere before it becomes the bank account that's full of savings. Amen. Some of you are like, I still have change in my pocket. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the savings. 
But all of us have to start somewhere, and it's easy to despise what is small, what is seemingly insignificant. My little daughter was born at, at two and a half pounds. Yesterday, she's giving me a pain somewhere right back here. I don't know exactly what muscle it is, but just from holding her, from picking her up and holding her all day because she wants to go outside every five minutes. Like I was, by the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, I'm old. That's it. I'm old. I have officially arrived. I'm grabbing my back. I'm not 90. I'm 43. I'm like grabbing my back like I can't, I can't pick this kid up anymore. That's it. She had a small beginning. And now she's grown larger. But in the same way, our lives have small beginnings. And often what we're looking for is the arrival. But God is never about the arrival. He's always about the journey. And for us, it's about the destination. And I just have to question, is the destination so that we can tell other people where we've arrived? So that we can feel good and look good? Or can we get more comfortable saying, I'm on the journey with Jesus. I'm not despising the day of small beginnings. Yeah, this isn't where I necessarily want to be, but I am aiming for greater things, trusting, <clears throat> trusting God in all things. I'm not despising the day of small beginnings. So how did I not despise? Let me break those down a little bit. I had to utilize what I already possessed. That's how I did not despise every season in Grace Avenue. In life too, but I'm just going to talk about Grace Avenue today. Is I had to utilize what I already possessed. What's in your hand? What has God given you? What abilities has he already given you? What gifts has he already given you? What revelation has he already given you? What desire for obedience has he already stirred in you that maybe you've been putting on the back shelf that you're despising? Because it means obedience. And it means moving forward beyond that thing. Got real quiet in here for a second. Are we utilizing those things we, we already have knowledge of and we already possess? Are we using what we've learned? The things we've already experienced that God has shown us and given us understanding of. Do we understand that there's greatness in the seed? The greatness is always in the seed. I remember Jeff. <laughs> we had, y'all heard the worship today was on, Right? You could think Jeff, who didn't despise the day of small beginnings, who had a four-track mixer from the year 2000 that I used to record stuff on, that I gave to him to turn mics on, that ran an acoustic guitar and a mic with a blown speaker. Uh, he's since been fired from the tech team because I think his, he was only there by default because we didn't have anybody else. But let's give it up for Jeff, our unknown first sound man. <laughs> Still here today. You've moved on to greater things, brother. That's all it is. You're too great for that team. That's what it all is. You didn't despise the day of the tech team, nor the four-channel mixer. Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> that was painful, man. That was painful. Ah, oh, Lord, give us some therapy in Jesus' name. Not despising the day of spawn beginnings meant no excuses. It meant learning to live with a no excuses mentality. You know, God is for me. Who can be against me? I know we hear that song all the time. We even sing it in church. But man, do we really believe it? And if we really believe it, will it bring us to the day of small beginnings? Whatever it is, we're starting out or starting over. How many of you had to start over before? And you know what that's like. To start over, you did not plan on getting divorced, but now you are divorced. You're having to start 
over. You did not plan on getting fired or getting laid off, but now you're starting over. You didn't plan on getting shipped to this city and having to change, and you thought this or you thought that, and you have to start over. It feels like a small beginning. You know, at the beginning of the year, Janelle and I came uh, to a place where, you know, all the hospital stuff and all the craziness was finally starting to die down, and I remember uh, we just took a deep breath, and we had this conversation where we realized, wow, it feels like Grace Avenue is starting all over again. Now, you, you probably don't understand the fullness of that, but for us, it felt like the journey has just begun again. It had been seven to eight years of ramping up to get here. God brought us through that trial, through that fire, and here we are again, and now our outlook is different, and so many things have changed, and so many things have changed in us, and so many things have changed over the last few years, and here we are, and now we have fresh eyes and fresh perspective, and we're starting over, but it could almost feel taxing. I remember feeling just, wow, here we go again, ramping up to do this again in a different way. But then I encouraged myself, and I thought, we have more people serving on our teams, probably like 45% more people just serving on a Sunday or on Sunday rotation than we had in the church total when we moved here five years ago. You know, the entirety of the church wasn't even hardly as large as this auditorium, uh, the three services that'll be here today. And God has just continued to do things over and over again. We didn't despise the day of small beginnings. Um, every day is a small beginning. Every day begins with new mercy. Every day begins with new grace. So if we're thinking small, if we're thinking unambitious, if we're thinking negative, if we're thinking critical, if we're putting limitations and labels on God that don't belong to him, then let's get rid of those. Let's take those off. Let's not put limitations on God that he hasn't imposed on himself or that he hasn't, hasn't imposed on our life. This will be a nice question, but it'll be challenging. Who are you to put the limitations on your life? Let God be the one who decides what he's put in you. What more he wants to pull out of you. Where he wants to direct you. Um, I need to, I'm going to run out of time here. Number three, God is building it and God is building you. God is building it and God is building you. What that means is there's what we're putting our hand to the plow on. And a lot of times we can just be so focused on it. Life, parenting, career, job, marriage, getting out of debt, recovering from this, recovering from that, moving forward. We can be so focused on building it that we don't miss, that we miss God is building us in the same way. So God is building you. More so than he's building it. Now he is building it, but he's building you. And he died for you. And his main concern is you and I. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, when I thought about Grace Avenue, and I still think about it this way. If God doesn't build it, I don't want it. If God isn't in it, I really don't want it. You know, all around this city, there are churches that are shells of what they once were. Filled with vision, filled with power, filled with amazing speakers and leaders and pastors and potential, but not necessarily promise. Promise only happened for a few. And the reality is that could be us too. 
Our church could be a great church that started somewhere, and then you look back down the road, and you're kind of like, oh, man, the church has just kind of faltered, and there's nobody leading anymore, and no one's getting saved, and it, no, no one's getting baptized anymore, and no one's passionate about the word or worship. It's just kind of sh- a shell of what it once was. That's a sad thing for me, having been in this city since the 80s and having seen what churches were And could have become. Now, I don't know God's plan and all that and how God uses it all. All I know is this. I have greater desire for Grace Avenue than just being a remnant of what once was. Of where God was. Of what God once did. Of where people used to get saved. Of where vision was once stirred. Of where generations were once raised up. That's not my heart. My heart is to see God do something generationally because we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We serve a generational God. And he sees the big picture, and he's the one that's building it. So he's built Grace Avenue, and he's building you. He's building the it in your life, but he's also building you. He's more concerned about who you're becoming, really, than what you're doing. And who you're becoming is interesting, is being shaped by all the things you're committed to right now. The trust you're employing right now. In God, I trust right now with this thing. That's being built by him, but it's also building you. Isn't that amazing? God is not just building your kids as you parent them. He's building you as you parent your kids. He's not just building your career and your dreams and your hopes and your goals. He's building you in the midst of you pursuing the things that he's placed in your heart. So what I'm trying to say is that you and I will... We'll never arrive. We'll always be on the journey. God will be building it, but he'll always be committed to building us. Disciple means student. When he called us to be disciples, it wasn't to this place of arrival where it's like, yes, sensei, now I have my red belt, I'm, uh, you know, or my purple belt, or my whatever it is. It's staying a learner. It's not cool to be a lifelong learner in certain areas of life these days because, you know, like if I'm in, you know, in college at 52, but I've been going since I was 18, maybe you would think, ah, this guy either really wants to learn or he's not really committed to finishing. If I've changed my major 17 times, do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's this sense of never arriving, but we place a lot of value on arriving. Once we get there, then I can trust God. Once I get to that place, then I can trust God more. And I believe that God is always trying to teach us that he's building us. But he can only build us if we're committed from that student heart, that humble heart of being in a place where, hey, God's spirit is leading me in this and not getting messed up, not getting off track from that just because things are confusing or just because things are question marks. Here's the last one. And this one, probably more than ever, I could spend a whole hour on just talking to you about, but it's God will make a way. Somehow God will make a way. If I could tell you story, I could tell you story after story after story after story. A lot of our team knows them. Um, Just ways that God has provided, um, not just financially or provisionally or with opportunities or relationships, but just... God seeming to make a way where there seems to be no way. There's a great verse in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? 
I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, why is that so powerful and shouldn't be diluted at all? Why should we really grab hold of that? Because a stream in a wasteland, right, is a pretty serious thing. To make a way in a wilderness, well, a wilderness is usually a place of confusion. And here's God, God's heart, right? Theology behind this is, is big. But let's just look at God's heart, what he's saying to us. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Man, I've heard that preached all my life. I tell you what, when you have to apply it, it's a whole different story. When you, when you can amen it, man, it feels great. But when you have to live it out, it will birth something in you and strengthen you in a way. And this is for you today. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Here's a question. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? Can you not hear it? Which means you have to be perceptive. You have to be at the place, not where you're just saying, God, are you saying anything? But God, what are you saying? Let me hear your voice. Let me see the doors you're opening. Let me see the things you're changing. Then he says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I've told this story before. Maybe some of you know and maybe you don't. When we started Grace Avenue, um, we had a really bunk website, if you even want to call it that. We were meeting in a house, Dustin's house, actually, and in his living room. And we had a P.O. box because we needed a P.O. box just for legalities and for people to, you know, for uh, state of Texas stuff and IRS stuff just to make sure that they could mail stuff to us if they needed to. But I never checked that P.O. box <laughs> because there was nobody was mailing. Everybody would email and nobody's sending us letters and it was all junk mail anyway. So we had this P.O. box really just so we could get our official letters of, you know, who we are and all that kind of stuff going. We did that, you know, back early in the year, January, February. Then July comes and by that time I'm like, I don't even need to check this P.O. box. It's always junk mail. There's nothing in here. And we kind of know everybody that we're meeting with. You could fit them all in the living room. So we'd meet in the living room, and I remember that right about that time in July, we started to make plans to move forward in faith to get out of Dustin's house, which was like like one bathroom, 70 people, probably not a good idea. We probably should figure out what to do with all these kids and, and how we get out of here. And around July, we made that decision. We started praying together. We started saving money. We started looking around, and so July... June, July, August, September, October comes around and my wife says, have you checked the P.O. box lately? And I said, I don't check that thing. There's nothing in there ever. Man of faith here, right? And I went back to that P.O. box and found three handwritten checks, totaling about $10,000 at the time, which was about what we needed to kind of launch and get into a movie theater and get some kids supplies and get couple of speakers and some mics and just enough to get us in the door with paying rent for the the movie theater. It was just enough. And it was sitting there in October, three different checks. Here was the first one that was dated. The first one was dated when? July. When I stopped looking, when I stopped perceiving, when I stopped listening, when I said, oh, I've got a mailbox. I can receive something here, but I'm just closing the door to even looking at it. God sent something there. 
Now, preaching, this kind of makes me feel weird because I feel like one of those TV preachers who's like, send your check in the mail and you're going to get a billion dollars. I'm not, I'm not promoting that kind of stuff. Y'all know the real Daniel, okay? I'm not that. But I'm just telling you, when I stopped looking, God was still sending. My eyes weren't open anymore. August goes by. September, another check. But I still haven't checked it. October, another check. So I had to pick up the phone and call this particular individual who I'd met one time, actually, at lunch. That was it. Shared my heart with him about starting the church. I don't know what it is that he caught from me or saw in me or heard from me that day, but that was the first and last time I had connected with him until many years later. And the reality is that the whole time God was providing for what would be our eventual launch. Here's the thing. July, we were praying. August, we were praying. September, we were praying. October, we were praying. And God was providing, but we weren't perceiving it. We weren't looking for it. And when we went back to look where God had already established something, God had already made a way. I wanted to give you these today because I wanted to encourage you that maybe the path that you're on today And maybe the things you're trying to grow in, in Christ and grow in, in your walk with the Lord, maybe you're looking for the the magic button, the magic pill, the the secret pathway, the the thing that'll get get you to what's next, how to trust God without, I'm just telling you the way God has done something great in Grace Avenue has been these simplistic but deep principles of faith and trust in God. Having to look when there's just seems like a wasteland or a desert and trusting that God is going to make a way. I'm believing that for your life this morning. I'm believing that for the limitations maybe that you put on yourself. I'm believing that for maybe some of the things that you didn't get or that you haven't gotten, that you wouldn't allow those things to overshadow God's life in you, that you'd be able to say in the same way, God is for me. See, I said that to myself on a couch in a moment of doubt and lack and wondering, okay, God, are you for us? And I felt that verse just pounded me in the chest. And God was saying, I am for you. No, I wasn't just for David in the Bible. I am for you. Maybe some of these today are birthing something in you to trust God at a greater level. I hope it is. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you bring us to a place of love and then you teach us how to trust you as you love us and as we learn to love you. Lord, this morning I pray for limitations that people have put on you and on themselves. Maybe this morning, just the thought of God being for someone here today feels fake to them because maybe their life has not lived, maybe they've not lived a life what they feel is worthy of receiving your love and your trust and your favor. But Lord, I thank you. That's the beautiful story of grace that while we were still sinners, you died for us. That's what your word says, that while we were still lost in our sin, lost in our confusion, lost in our rebellion, lost in our distancing ourselves away from you, you still died for us and because of Jesus we can confidently say this I know God is for me 
morning, I just want to ask everyone here. If you've been living with limitations, maybe that you have put on yourself, limitations due to your past, due to your upbringing, due to what you didn't receive, due to your own comparison of maybe where you feel you are or are not at this age, where you should be, where you think you should be, could I just ask you for a second to maybe just put those thoughts aside and just maybe just for a second embrace the possibility that God is for you, that God has been building it, but he's also been building you, that God is for you, that he is making a way, But his question to you is, can you perceive it? Can you see it? He says, I'm doing a new thing. And he's doing that in you first. Because he's solidifying the foundation in you. That's you this morning. You're saying, yeah, I want to see limitations come off of me. If you could just lift your hand this morning. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.